It's now time for the Rural News with Sally Winley. Kia ora, Sally. And Canterbury farmers are hoping for some sun to dry things out. Yes, huge downpours over the weekend flooded paddocks and created muddy conditions for stock. And roads that were repaired after flooding two years ago have been wrecked again. Over a month's worth of rain fell in parts of the region during the weekend, with Banks Peninsula being particularly hard hit. Sheep and beef farmer at Teddington, David Carter, says on Saturday night alone, 100 millimetres drenched his land. I've seen you know, water pouring off the hills like I've never seen before. Since then, just an annoying drizzle, mud everywhere. It's really, really hard on livestock. Anybody who's feeding out will know that the you know tractors are close to getting stuck, etc. It's just a wet, wet, miserable winter. And at night we go into nice, warm, dry houses, but our poor livestock are outside suffering. Uh, the sooner the sun comes out, the better. Further south in mid-Canterbury, Federated Farmers President David Ackland says the persistent rain didn't cause major issues. He says it's still a concern, but nothing like the floods two years ago. For us, it caused us some access issues. Just with our creeks coming off the mountain, we had boulders move around and block vehicle access ways so you can't cross a creek or anything like that. Just safety safety factors. So we had a couple of mobs of animals that were isolated for for a period until the water dropped back down and we could uh, get a bigger machine in to make the access way safe. A lot of people in, in mid-Canary heading into carving. That would have been problematic in that space. I know we had... We're, we're sort of a week away, so we're in that transition phase. So it's always a wee bit, you're always a wee bit vulnerable at that point in time. Mr Ackland says it's frustrating to see some pretty new infrastructure blow out again when it came under some pressure. You know, State Highway 1 closed overnight because of debris and the build-up on the bridge and, the, and they couldn't monitor it overnight. For us, since the last big rain, there been in Ashburton two or three years ago, there's still a lot of woody debris that hasn't been cleared out of the out of the waterways, and that's still moving a lot. So that's why that bridge shut down, and then there's been across the foothills a couple of bridges shut because there was build-up of water against the road at Tramway Road, and it washed out. And it's like, yeah, if we're going to rebuild infrastructure, let's build it to cope with these new scenarios. Meanwhile, in North Canterbury, an agricultural consultant, Jeff Dunham, says the region's farmers appear to be coping well with snow and flooding. He says the biggest issues are how it may affect grass growth and calving. For the dairy farms, it's probably a little annoying in the sense that they've got uh, pasture covers that they would have bought through the winter, and, uh, and, and grass growth has been pretty good through the winter so far, uh, into calving, but now, now utilisation is probably going to be severely impacted because of the wet, wet ground. Um, so that might, they might lose a little bit of advantage um, going into carving, which they thought they might have. The arable farmers, most of them, it's probably a little early for them to do any serious cultivation at the moment. So that's probably, they're probably not so much affected. They're probably going to need to wait a little while. Huranui farmer Vincent Daly says Cheviot had 66 millimetres of rain since Saturday morning. That follows last week's downpour and large sea swells which ripped out a road north of the Conway River at Claverley. Mr Daly says that's making it difficult for even the local doctor to get to work. There's a farm with three residents up there, different houses, and actually our local GP lives at the end of that road, so... She's got to walk along where the bit, bit of road's left by the railway track uh, to get out because it's, it's only about two or three metres wide.
so they are really isolated at the moment. They can't get stock in. I think last week I was talking to Fear and they, they managed to get some lambs out along beside the railway track and some cattle because they have to get them down to the neighbours' yards to load them because there isn't actually a road there. Vincent Daly says Transrail has been working hard to protect the main trunk line from big seas and that work will also help strengthen the roading network as well. The government's new policy statement to protect native biodiversity is being criticised by farmers and environmental organisations. Its aim is to provide clarity and direction to councils on their roles to identify, protect and maintain indigenous biodiversity under the Resource Management Act. But Fish and Game Chief Executive Karina Jordan says the new policy has created confusion. She says the updated policy doesn't support those wanting to to protect existing wetlands or create new ones. It's essentially sending signals which wouldn't encourage landowners to protect and restore indigenous biodiversity, particularly so if they've lost it through their farms. So I think while we can all agree that we need to be uh, focusing on indigenous biodiversity across New Zealand and ensuring that we are providing these habitats, and protecting these species and the environments that they live in, we're concerned that the NPS Indigenous Biodiversity essentially sets up a framework which will penalise those that have done the most and rewards those that have done the least in relation to protecting and restoring our biodiversity and their habitats. Karina Jordan says it's a massive oversight as Fish and Game wants to work in partnership with farmers and tangata whenua about decisions on their biodiversity remaining areas of indigenous vegetation would be considered significant and, and therefore quite stringent conditions popped around those habitats. And while that might sound good on the face of it, essentially what it does is that it, it doesn't recognise where we've lost indigenous habitats, um, a lot of our lowland areas for example, and it fails to set up a really robust approach for re-establishing those habitats, for example eco-corridors where we've lost them and instead focuses just on this absolute protection, I suppose, of these, of these remnant habitats which are, which are still there. Karina Jordan would like to see inclusion of valued introduced species such as game birds in the policy's restoration projects. Westpac Bank's agri-economist Nathan Penny says economic, economic conditions are expected to get worse. He says ongoing sluggishness in the Chinese economy has seen prices for butter and mutton fall by 13% in the past month, and it's likely to slip even lower. However, Mr Penny says China's economy is expected to rebound by the end of December or early next year. Meanwhile, prices being paid for fertiliser and feed have come down in the past few months, which he says is offering farmers short-term relief. New research shows New Zealanders are hesitant about supporting genetic modification and gene editing. Plant and Food Research is working to develop new plants and growing systems and has been consulting with consumers about their views on different technologies. A survey shows about 62% of people here and across the Tasman would be willing to buy produce grown using controlled environment agriculture, such as vertical farming but only 43% say they would buy genetically edited produce. Spokesperson Denise Conroy told Nine to Noon most New Zealanders felt they didn't know much about GE because it's not often talked about.
they understood that this could potentially, the technology could potentially be beneficial, um, but it had to be meaningfully beneficial. So, for example, if it was possible through this technology to increase the nutrient density of a food, let's just say a tomato, um, that would be great if it was meaningful. But if it increased it, even if it increased it by doubling it, but it was still only 1% of your daily intake need, then that was what's the point of doing that. So what people are looking for, which is really common with technology adoption, is that the benefits need to be much more convincing than the perceived risks. The National Party is promising to free up the long-standing genetic editing laws if it gets into power, a move many in the tech and farming sectors see as overdue. And that's the Rural News for today. Kia pai tera.